All right. Well, I want to begin this morning with uh, talking about the idea of what being a skeptic means. And so you can see a, a technical definition on the screen here of a skeptic. This is a person that's inclined to question or doubt accepted opinions. And so some of us are more prone to doing this than others. I want to give you a couple examples to kind of get our mind rolling here. So many of you guys are, I'm from out of the state, so Big Blue Nation doesn't have as much meaning to me as some of the folks that have been born here. But let's just say Big Blue Nation, right? So typically it's been a basketball place. And uh, there a skeptic, there are always going to be skeptics of the football program that says, yeah, just hadn't turned the corner yet, right? Even though it's a whole new realm with stoops and they're moving forward, there's still that kind of skepticism that's inclined to question or doubt kind of what's being come widely accepted, right? Or uh, I know we got a few NFL fans in here, and some of you hate the Patriots more than you like any other team. And, uh, and, and you know that Tom Brady has moved on to the twilight of his career in another place. And so m- many of you uh, would be inclined to question or doubt that Mac Jones is the next franchise quarterback for the Patriots to take him back to the playoffs. And again, you're questioning or doubting what would be generally an accepted opinion, right? So, uh, or... Um, for a few of you guys out there, uh, ladies particularly, you've lived through these 80s or 90s fashion years, and uh, my guess is you're pretty skeptical about filling your closet with jackets like this again. Literally, we, Shane walked in this morning, he said, I had that jacket, and uh, I, have a, I have a feeling he'd be skeptical to, to jump in on that again, but there's probably a few of you in here below the age of uh, 30 or 35 that would say, hey, that's pretty cool. I, I really would like that. Um, but the skepticism is you're inclined to maybe doubt that, that overarching uh, opinion of where fashion is going. And the reality is, is, that, is that there's skeptics in all kinds of things in life. And when we think about being a skeptic in Christianity, it's usually not a positive, positive thing. And, uh, but I want to flip that today. And I want us to think about being a skeptic a little bit differently than traditionally we do in terms of Christianity. Before we kind of unpack that, I do want to recap where we've been. We started our Proverbs series uh, last week, and we set the table, and we set the table that this is a book uh, that God has given us through King Solomon that lays out a pathway of wisdom uh, on how to walk in this world, how to engage all the everyday things we come across in life. And, and, the, and he's given us this book for two kind of reasons. One is there's so many other competing views of wisdom on how you ought to live your life. But secondly, he loves us. This comes from our Father. He wants us to flourish in this world that he's created. And so he's given this pathway of wisdom for us. And last week we talked specifically about this pathway of wisdom being centered on our King and Father, meaning at at the foundation, the beginning point, how all this pathway makes sense is with the fear of the Lord at the central, a joyful awe being central. Instead of a reverence for ourselves or something else in this world, it's a reverence for who God is. And we can't walk in this pathway, nor will we want to walk in this pathway, unless our life is centered on something bigger than ourselves. And so that's how we set the table for us. And so this week we're going to talk about what it's going to take for us to walk in this pathway. If that's what it's centered on, what is it going to take for us? And so the big picture will be up on your screen. This is what I'm praying that help, God will help us to see this morning, is that this pathway of wisdom requires you and I to be a skeptic of our own understanding. That this pathway of wisdom will require you to be a skeptic of your own understanding. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and uh, each one of us are coming in with different things going on in our lives Uh, different decisions, different pathways that we are trying to wrestle through. 
But the reality, and it's not easy, and it's hard, and there's lots of competing voices. And what I ask you that you would do through Proverbs this morning is that you would meet us here. That you would make your word come alive to us. That you would show us more of yourself and give us the confidence to move forward in this life. God, would you, would you do what I have no power to do, which is where we need conviction, would you bring it? Where, where we need uh, healing and, and, and encouragement, would you bring it? We look to you, and we thank you that you love us. And it has nothing to do with how we're coming in this morning. It has nothing to do with what we're bringing to you this morning. It has everything to do with the, just the reality that you as a father have set your love upon us. Would you work in us, your children? Amen. So we're going to start with this idea of being a skeptic. And we're going to look back at verses 5 through 7 here. And uh, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So these three verses together, and this is what Proverbs does a lot. It gives you lots of similar statements, and we're kind of puzzled. What are the, really the differences between all these? And what we're trying to do is give you a holistic picture of what we're trying to talk about. And this, these three verses are trying to give us a full picture of what it takes to walk on this pathway. And it's trust. And it's trust in not in ourselves, but in our God. And really, the way that trust is getting phrased here, not just trust in the Lord, but it's getting phrased is an idea of skepticism of our own understanding, that you and I would be willing to question our own understanding. And so I want to emphasize this idea of skepticism, and it's not just this tricky play on words to get attention this morning. It really is because I think it gives a fuller picture of what trust looks like. So Trust the Lord is a statement that is used in Christian circles all the time. And we say it all the time. And it's packed with meaning. But sometimes when we use statements over and over and over and over again, they can lose a little sense of their potency. Kind of like love, right? We'll use it to talk about coffee and a spouse. Hopefully those two things aren't on the same playing field, right? But we, we, it, the, the word can lose its potency a little bit. And so by emphasizing the negative aspect of it, which we see in this passage with be not wise in your own eyes and do not lean on your understanding, it's, I think it's going to help us see more fully on the ground what it looks like for you and I to trust the Lord in this pathway of wisdom. And so that's where we're going with that. I want to give you a couple thoughts, though, before we dive into what it actually means. And I think this is important because when you say be skeptical of your understanding, I think some things can come to our mind. Maybe, are you saying this? And I, I want to say that being skeptical of your own understanding does not mean you're anti-intellectual, all right? It doesn't mean you're questioning your understanding of two plus two or what photosynthesis is. It means when it comes down to the brass tacks of living out your life and your day-to-day -day life, you're willing to question how you see things. You're willing to question what you feel and what you think about a situation. That's what, that's what I mean by that, right? So much of Proverbs encourages us to use our brains and logic. I mean, in chapters 1 through 9 alone, King Solomon is pleading with us to use our reason and logic to think about why this pathway of wisdom is better than the pathway of foolishness. So we're not telling you to turn off your brains this morning. It's questioning the way you see life in some arenas. But also, being skeptical of our understanding doesn't mean that we've got this inferiority complex, that we're incompetent. It's not saying, oh, poor me, I'm dumb and uneducated and I can't get through life. Again, you get no sense of that in the Proverbs. I want to narrow it down to the pathway of life and how we live our lives. And so what does it mean to be a skeptic of understanding? I've got some phrases I want to work through on the screen here that, that are kind of distilled from these verses. 
In verse 5, how, how would we say this as being a skeptic? We don't rely or depend on our own under, understanding and wisdom. When I say our own understanding and wisdom, that arises within ourselves or somewhere outside the truth of the Scriptures. We aren't impressed with our own understanding and wisdom. Some of us are prone to be more impressed with ourselves than others. But this is, this is the real deal here. We don't think that we get determined what's right and wrong. We're not wise in our own wise. We fear the Lord and shun evil. There's a connection there. That we end up checking our desires and thoughts and feelings to what he says is real and true about our own understanding. So let's work this out in our day-to-day life. So on the ground, I want to talk about a collision. And you'll see this up on your screen here. I think this phrase is important because this is how this plays out. You in, in, encounter a person or a situation or a decision. And what you desire, you think, you feel collides with what God desires, what God thinks, what God feels, and then you humbly submit to him. That's what it means to be a skeptic of your own understanding, that his knowledge and his wisdom is the baseline we check back to. Let's work this out in an example. We're going to look up at Proverbs 18.2. So a proverb that has convicted me on many times over. Maybe you're aware of it, maybe you're not. But I want to walk through kind of a, a situation and how this collision takes place and how we might be a skeptic of our understanding. So Proverbs 18, 2, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in the airing of his own opinions. So a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but it delights in the airing of his own opinions. So let's say that over these past couple of years, there's probably not been a lot of controversial topics, right? But let's say you came across a controversial conversation, and whether that was with someone face-to-face or in social media, right? And let's say you come across that conversation, and uh, you've just got this internal drive, I got to get my opinion across, I got to get what I think and what I feel across this person. And there's no discernible, obvious route for that. They're not asking you per se what you think. They're not inviting you in to share your thoughts. You know that they may have a differing point of view, but what is your knee jerk to lead with? Well, for a lot of us, it's a delight and airing of our opinions that we really enjoy getting across what we think, right? Well, there's a collision that is about to happen between how God sees this moment and how he thinks about this moment, what he desires in this moment, and what we do, right? Will we yield to him? So God's pathway of wisdom calls us to seek understanding and not to delight in the airing of our opinions. And so in that moment, there's a question becomes, will I come in and check myself to this? I I long to share my opinion. I want to get it across. I think everyone needs to hear it. Will that be my knee-jerk, or will I seek understanding? And what does that look like? Maybe it means leading with a question, not to trap someone, but actually learn why they may see things differently than you, so that you may not have ammo to then share your opinion, but that you might be more enriched in your understanding of the world, and that it's just not all about you. That's God's understanding of that moment. Will we submit to him? Will we turn to him? Will we say in that moment, in that moment, will we say, your wisdom makes more sense here than mine, and I'm going to submit to you. It's this kind of collision that I'm talking about that comes in. Will I yield to trust in the Lord? And so it doesn't mean these Proverbs aren't absolute, right? They don't deal with every scenario of life. It doesn't mean that there's never an opportunity to share my opinion. It's always wrong. But it is challenging this natural inclination that we have 
to delight in our own opinions above understanding others, right? Y'all see this? Y'all feel this? Uh, You may not be all into controversial topics. Just think about whatever's happening out there that you want to share your opinion about with your friends. This kind of collision happens all the time with us. Will we go down the pathway of wisdom or will we trust in our own understanding? And this is difficult. That's just one example, but this is really, really difficult for us. And I think some of the reasons why is that the, 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 there's other voices in our culture that tell us that we are autonomous creatures and we get to define our own destiny, our own path. So the idea of checking our understanding of a situation or a decision to someone else just doesn't make sense culturally. There are other voices of wisdom that tell us that we ought to trust our gut, that how we think is always right and what we ever feels good to us, we ought to do it. And God is saying, no, 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 I want you to be skeptical of those knee-jerk reactions inside of you. And I want you to trust my pathway of wisdom and rely upon my understanding. And it's a very, very difficult thing to do. So why, why should we be a skeptic of our understanding? Why don't we do a little comparison here? And I, and I want us to think about what it takes to make good, healthy, wise decisions in our life. And, and I think we need, you know, we could probably figure this out uh, with more words than this, but I think we need kind of an understanding of the world or at least this situation. If you're going to make a wise decision, you've got to have pretty good motives that you're motivated by something good, and then you kind of have a good end that you're trying to go towards, right? So I want us to compare God and us in this. And we're going to use uh, Romans 11, 33 uh, through 35, which says this, Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? And so what we're going to see here, this is a, this is a, uh, a comparison between God's understanding being infinite and ours being finite. When I say finite, we'll work through this chart here up on the screen, but you and I were made to be dependent creatures. We will never escape that, Right? God is not dependent on anything. And so that means our understanding of the world is even dependent and therefore limited, and his is not. So let's compare. So God's understanding being infinite, our understanding being finite. So what does this mean on the ground? That he knows all. So that the external world, everything that you can see, that you can understand, all the earth processes, all the science behind everything, he has a concrete, clear understanding because he designed it all. He didn't have an understanding he achieved to and learned. He literally designed every system and process in this physical world, universe. What's ours? Probably rank us in here, but there ain't going to be that much big of a difference compared to God's, right? Ours is limited. Our knowledge of reality is limited. Think about people, people that walk, just even in this room, that he literally knows, and this ought to kind of terrify us a little bit, that he knows the thoughts and motives of each one of us as we walked in this morning. Even if they're not clear to us, they're clear to him. Pretty helpful in making decisions, isn't it? What about ours? Again, we tell narratives in our mind of what we think each other's thoughts and motives are, but they're just narratives that may or may not be actual reality. And a lot of the time, at least for me, I have a hard time knowing what my motives and thoughts are much less yours. It's limited. It's finite. It's dependent. What about God? He sees all, the past and the future. He understands the past very clearly, and he sees all to come and oversees all in the future. What about us? 
We literally have blinders on, like that you teach kids to play basketball and dribble, that just narrow your focus. You can't see hardly anything. That's us, right? Even though we think we can see, we have forgotten so much of the past, and what we see most of the time is just what is right in front of it. It's limited, right? And what about motives and ends of our life? So God, He intends only good and does only good. The best of us, the best of us. Our desires and actions are twisted and infected with selfishness. So just look at those in comparison side by side. Finite versus the infinite. That's what's on the ground happening here. I'm going to give you another, uh, another illustration here. Up on the screen you'll see a circle. Let's say this circle represents all the knowledge and understanding and wisdom in all the world. And, uh, and I want us to think for a moment so my capacity, that little dot, may be a little generous, right? Uh, but if all there is, and I, honestly, I, that was the smallest I could get it where I, you actually see anything on there. And let's say Einstein's capacity is, uh, you know, a hundred times, thousand times greater than mine. But think of the comparison. The smartest and the wisest among us is just a small drop in the ocean of the knowledge and understanding and wisdom in the world that God oversees and knows and designed. And so if that's true, how big would your dot be? And if your dot is anywhere close to mine and Einstein's dot, who should you be skeptical of? <laughs> the one who knows and understands all and intends only good? Or that little fraction, sliver of the circle that's just got a narrow point of view from one little corner of the world? That's what we're seeing here in the infinite. What Proverbs is asking us to do is not to be naturally skeptical of God and his plans, which we are, but to be skeptical of how we see things. And it's asking us just to embrace our humanity. Will we let God be God? Will we trust and rely upon his infinite wisdom and understanding? And I want to, I want to take this and I want to connect it back to last week of the fear of the Lord being central in all things, this joyful awe. Because what I think ought to happen when we can make these comparisons is not to be frustrated, but to be amazed that there is one who knows all and sees all, and he intends only good for you and I as his children, not based on how we perform, but based on the love he set upon us. And so we don't look at that and think, oh, my, my, why does God have to do it according to his way? We look at that and we're amazed that we can trust in something bigger than ourselves. Joyful awe ought to result when we really compare. And that's what Paul's doing here in Romans when he says, oh, the depths. He senses that. He's drawn into joyful awe as he compares God's infinite wisdom and understanding to ours. And I believe that when we are understanding this on the ground in our lives, this is the engine to trust when we compare God's understanding to our own and want to bring our own in line with him. And so when we begin to reframe this pathway of wisdom as a pathway of whether or not we'll be skeptical of God's understanding or our own, I really think that begins to show us how big of a daily battle we're in, that we're on the front lines, that this pathway of wisdom is not some high road of intellectual knowledge sitting in a library somewhere. It is on the ground, front line, battle in you and I's hearts. And so let's talk about this daily battle. 
We talked about last week our default position of life being selfish, foolishness. And not foolishness like a don't touch a, the oven that's hot. Foolishness that how the Proverbs see is that foolishness is living like God, like God is not real. That God is not central in all things. Like I am central in all things. That's foolishness in Proverbs. And that's really what the heart of the battle of this verse is, right? Will I trust and rely upon my own wisdom and understanding or God's own wisdom and understanding? And so that means that the battle for us in the church is not between the church and the world. The problem is not out there. Does the world have their own problems? Sure. But what this is saying is that this battle is the front line of it is not outside those doors. It's in our own hearts between God's wisdom and our foolishness, God's understanding and our own limited understanding. That's where the battle is at. And I want us to see here in verse 5, which will be up on our screen, just a reminder, that this daily battle is about understanding whose understanding we want to trust in. Note the word all there. I think that's a really, really important word. So we don't trust only when it's easy. We don't trust only when it makes sense to us. We don't trust only when it's in line with our own understanding. If we only trusted in God's understanding when aligned with ours, when aligned with ours there'd be no real war, would there? No, God just becomes this yes man in our life. He comes and he just rubber stamps everything. I like it. Go with it. That's great. Like, there's no war there. It's your understanding runs the day. Where God fits under yours, great. But if he doesn't fit, God just goes with yours. That's not the reality. The word is we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. That's what we're going. And it, that, is, that is what joyful all looks like. And this daily battle is evident. And all the commands to be determined to get wisdom in the verses we read. If you're in a connect group this week, over the four days that were just in the Proverbs, not the middle day in, in Romans, there were 32 commands. And they were all related about the same thing. Get wisdom. Get understanding. I mean, look, look at the list of this here. I want to give you a, just a flavor of some of these. Get wisdom. Get insight. Whatever you get, get insight. Accept my words. Keep hold of instruction. Do not forget. Do not turn away. Do not forsake her. Do not let go. Embrace her. Love her. Prize her highly. Guard her. This isn't even in the broader chapters. This is just in the verses we looked at. What's going on here? This intentionality and this intensity is because it's a real battle with high stakes. Solomon is trying to get that across with all these commands that are all about the same thing, about fighting to get in this pathway. And one way that our trust in God is shown is in our fight to come along in this pathway to get God's understanding. And so we wake up each day and we're faced with this battle, right? between whether we trust in God's view of the world or our own, skeptical of his wisdom or our own. I want to ask you do, you, do you feel this? I think sometimes we think that, that becoming wise is becoming a guru that attains this certain level and you're there. And I think these commands in this passage illustrate something really different than that. It is a pathway we've got to fight to stay in. I mean, just, just take into this. King Solomon was given all the wisdom, meaning he could clearly understand and write these things for us and compile this book to pass on to us that's beautiful and rich and guides us. But guess what? He struggled to stay in this pathway. And oftentimes, he was out into the pathway of foolishness. And this is going to come up the more and more we talk about Proverbs. And so it's this pathway that we've got to fight to be in. But I want us to see here, embedded in these few verses, we see that God's not alone. 
We're going to go back here to verses 5 and 6, and I want us to see here that our King and Father is with us in the battle. Look look at verse 5 again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So we can't escape the relational dynamic of this pathway, right? It's an issue of trust in God. But I want us to point out, we did this last week, we pointed out that the, 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 the Lord here is all caps. There was a special name that the Israelites used for God that separated them from all the deities of the surrounding nations that brought remembrance of two main things. It brought remembrance that this God is the covenant-keeping God, that he is committed to his people, and it brought remembrance of his rescue of them from the slavery in Egypt. And so this is purposeful of Solomon bringing this in here for us. We're trusting in the God who rescued us. He's committed to us. He's wanting us to see, I know this battle of trust is difficult. Look at who you're trusting in. Remember who he is in this moment. Think about what he's done and what his commitment to us is. We've got to be captured by that. That's what he's going on. And so this, this battle here isn't just this battle of academics. It's a battle of who, will we see who God is? Will we be captured by who he is? And in verse 6, what do we see here? In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. Again, the word ways and paths remind us this is a journey. This is a pathway. And we're called to acknowledge God on this pathway. And so the way we use the word acknowledge is if you were to walk into the sanctuary right now, acknowledge, I gave a little wave, a little tip of my hat, hey, that's not how knowledge is using this, path, this, this, this verse. It's not saying as you're walking through life and doing whatever you want to do, give God a heads up every now and then. That's a good way to live. It's not at all what it's saying. Uh, the, the word here, acknowledge, in the Hebrew means a personal knowledge, an intimate experience of a person's reality, being aware of and having fellowship with. Listen to one kind of commentator, Ryan O'Dowd said. He said, to acknowledge God is to know we are not simply to tip our hat to God throughout our lives, but to connect each and every moment to our sense both of God's immediate presence and of his moral designs for the world. So what's that look like for us? What that looks like is on the, on the ground level, when we're in this battle, it's us saying, God, I know you're with me. You really do have my good in mind. My understanding, I'm struggling to check it to yours, but I trust you, and I'm going to submit to you. It's walking with God in this pathway. That's what he's telling us to do here. God is in this battle. You're not left alone just on your own willpower. God is committed to you, and he's with you. And it gets even even more nuanced here. We we can go on to see in verses 6 and 8 something else. that You can see what God intends for us. Our king and father wants to bring life and healing. Look at verse 6 again. And he will make straight your paths. Or verse 8 says, It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The straight path here means to travel that is made easy or made safe by clearing and leveling of the road. The healing in this passage is a restoration of a former state of well-being. It's a wholeness of health. And so one level, the Proverbs does speak about physical blessings that come with this. And that, that's part of what happens here. Generally, life goes better physically if this is the case, if we follow in his pathway. But it's also broader and more holistic in this. Let's think about if we go back to Proverbs 18, 2 here. And it's not going to be up on the screen, just on remembrance. So self and living by relying on our understanding is a position that's going to sicken us. And it's going to put up obstacles in our life. So if you take Proverbs 18, 2, and you delight in the airing of your opinions, and in each and every relationship that you move into, your opinion is chief, and your goal is to, that relationship is a stage to proclaim your opinion. How do you think that's going to go? Think you're going to feel alone? 
They can have some obstacles in your pathway. That's what he's getting out here. God longs for us, the obstacles to be removed. God longs for us to walk with him in health and wholeness. And he's giving us this pathway to show us that, and he's promising he's with us in the moment to think about who he is and to trust in his own understanding. Our king and father wants to clear the road. He wants to bring health to our lives. This pathway of wisdom will require us, if we're going to have that health and wholeness, to be skeptical of our own understanding and not his. So where do we go from here? I want to give you two, two pieces of application. They'll be up on your screen in your worship guide. The first one is this. Is I, want, I think it's right and good for us to walk away and ask ourselves, in what situation and relationships right now are we trusting and relying on our own understanding? So think about work. Think about family. Think about relationships, finances. What situations are you facing where you sense that you're skeptical of what God wants to do, of how God thinks about the moment? You've got to wrestle with them in that. I think it's right for us not to focus so much on what we think we know, but how little we actually do know. Going back to the circle of understanding there, right? And to stand in joyful awe of him and to check our wisdom into his. But secondly, I want us to walk away and I want us to gaze at Jesus to see the beauty of God's wisdom. Again, going back to that Lord, and we are trusting in the Lord with the all caps, the God who is the rescuer, who's the covenant keeper. For the Israelites, that would push them to think about coming out of slavery in Egypt. What's that push us to think about? The cross. God rescuing us from our own slavery to our own foolishness and our own understanding. We're called to remember his character here and what he's done. We are people who are bent towards living like God doesn't exist and that we're smarter in him. And that cosmic foolishness, that cosmic rebellion has brought with it the consequences of being separated from the pathway of wisdom and the life of God. And that's where all of humanity humanity finds itself. But what do we see this king doing? Fueled by love and guided by infinite wisdom, he planned a way, he planned a way, and he orchestrated a way where God's justice could be served in that cosmic treason dealt with, and he could still bring us into life with him. And it was through his son who walked this pathway of wisdom, who lived in joyful awe of the Father in all its fullness. And then the Father orchestrated a way that he, in wisdom, would go to the cross to bear the penalty you and I deserve so that we could be reunited as his sons and daughters in wholeness of health to walk with him. Do you see God's wisdom at work for you? This is his understanding on full display And it's in Christ, it's in the gospel that we see more than any other places that this is a wisdom to be trusted, that this is an understanding to bring our lives in line with. And so Grace Church, this pathway of wisdom requires you and I to be a skeptic, not of this God's understanding and how he's revealed himself in the gospel, but of our own limited understanding to walk with him and trust in who he is. Let's pray. Father, the, the reality of an evil one in this world and the reality of a sinful nature in, our, in, our, in a heart bent towards foolishness is that we struggle to doubt you. That in, in, in light of the evidence, we would 
trust our own understanding above yours. And God, we come and we need forgiveness for that foolishness. We need forgiveness for that rebellion. And where do we find forgiveness? We look to the cross, the place where in your wisdom and in your beauty and in your power, you have orchestrated a way back for us. God, would you meet us? Would you help us to be in more joyful awe of who you are? Would you help us in those moments in our life that some of us are aware of right now where we need to check to your understanding? Would you empower us to do that very thing? Would you help us to trust in you with all our heart as we walk down this pathway of wisdom with you? It's your name we pray. Amen.